In games, actually difficulty is part of the experience. If the game is super easy, you just press a button and you win. Um, that's very efficient, but it's not a fun game. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning into Nodes of Design. To help support our mission spread knowledge, we have a very special guest on today's episode. Let's welcome Steve Bromley, an experienced user researcher and author of two famous books, Building User Research Teams and How to Be a Games User Researcher. He started the first user research team for UK's Parliament and for Reach, which is the UK's largest publisher. Before this, he was a lead user researcher for PlayStation VR headsets and many of the PlayStation titles, which include Horizon, Zero Dawn, No Man's Sky and SingStar and many more. In this episode, Steve had shared wonderful insights on user research in games where we discussed on how does the user research in games happen and how different is it from traditional UX research. We also spoke on how to synthesize these research data and convert them into artifacts that are made for all and Steve has explained us with few examples. In the later part, we spoke on how do we apply usability heuristics to video games and make sure they are fun to play with. We also spoke on the different ways to measure the success and failure in gaming research. We concluded the show by Steve recommending us few tips for young designers and how to start their journey into user research for games. Hope you guys enjoy this episode and on every Friday we release new episodes with different creative leaders from around the world to help you better understand different concepts related to design. So don't forget to tune in into Notes of Design every Friday. With that being said, happy designing everyone. Hi, Steve. Welcome to Nodes of Design. It's a pleasure hosting you today on our show. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. So, Steve, how's your day going? Yes, it's been okay. Um, we're running some studies this week, so very busy, as, as you can imagine. But studies are exciting. You get to meet some participants. You get to uh, do some research. So, really hands-on, interesting stuff. Thank you so much, Steve. So if you could give a brief about yourself to our audience out there. Yes. So my name is Steve Bromley. I am a user researcher, and I specialize in video games. Uh, what a user researcher in video games does is we speak to development teams to learn the type of questions they have that users can answer. We look for usability problems and we look for whether people understand how to play the game or understand how to get through a level. And then from that, we design a study. So we'll do some playtesting and we'll bring in real users and identify those usability issues that stop people from uh, using the game in the way in which the designers intend them to. I also recently released a book explaining how to do this if it's a career that people are interested in. It's called How to Be a Game to Use a Researcher. Thank you so much, Steve. So what was your journey into design and research and how did you start? What are your tips to the beginners on how to start? Yes. So my own personal beginning was I didn't understand that this was a real job or that this was a thing that people did so that you could be a user researcher for video games. I was at university studying human computer interaction. And I was very lucky because one of the lecturers there, Dr. Graham McAllister, he did this kind of thing professionally. So he ran a, an agency called Vertical Slice, and they worked with video uh, game teams to run usability testing and user research. As part of the course, he both explained, okay, playtesting and usability research is a thing that works in video games, and also created the opportunity to do some coursework or do some studies with real game studios. That included Black Rock Studio, who are making a driving game called Split Second. And also Relentless, who made a quiz game called Buzz, where it was a social game where everyone could buzz in together. From doing that, and also from practicing those skills uh, privately, so I also started 
contacting indie developers and explaining that games user research is a thing. We can give you usability and playtest feedback on your game and running those kind of studies just as a hobby. Uh, all of that gave me a backlog of experience that I could use. So uh, when I finished at university, place, I was very lucky again, and PlayStation were hiring for a junior user research role. And because of all that experience, both from academia and also from just practicing those skills, uh, I, I applied and I was very lucky and got the role. And so I worked at PlayStation for five years doing that. Um, I'm no longer with PlayStation, but again, that I guess there's some lessons here that are tips for beginners. That idea of practicing the skills in your own time, so looking at games that you're playing, understanding what usability issues you encounter, and then thinking about how would you explain those usability issues to a game team. It's a really practical skill that you can practice in your own time. And then also just reaching out to indie game developers. They have a lot of free time. They don't have a lot of free time. They have a lot of uh, interest in helping make their game better and don't have a lot of support. So they don't have much money to run these kind of studies themselves or get someone else to do it. And so there's the potential for you as someone interested in joining the field to reach out to them and do something that's mutually beneficial to both of you. Thank you so much, Steve, for taking us through your wonderful journey. So how does the user research in games happen and how different is it from the traditional UX research process? Yeah, so I know you've uh, had a lot of great guests on before who have talked about a typical user research study where you'll work with a team to define your objectives, you design a study that answers objectives, uh, you'll moderate some sessions where you're actually sat with players or participants while they're running the study, and then you analyze all that raw data and you debrief that back to the team. On the surface level, that's very similar for game user research. So you will go through that same process of planning and running a study. I guess there are some differences though. There are some nuances about games that make it different to other types of user research study. A couple that occur to me, the first is the types of objectives that you will be set. So often game teams are very interested in understanding, do people like our game? Is our game fun? Can people get through our games? And so finding ways of measuring and benchmarking fun is a type of objective you might have, which imply some different ways of answering it that you might not use if you're another uh, type of user research. Another thing that's very interesting for user research in games is the idea of difficulty. So when you look at traditional user research for websites or for apps, difficulty is a thing you want to avoid. If your app is difficult to use, that's a bad thing. In games, actually difficulty is part of the experience. If the game is super easy, you just press a button and you win. Um, that's very efficient, but it's not a fun game. And so you want your game to be difficult. Something a user research in games has to think about is how do we look at the type of difficulty that players are encountering and make sure they're getting the right difficulty and not accidental difficulty due to confusion. The last thing I guess that occurs to me immediately as what's different about game user research from other types of user research is how secretive the industry is. Because games have big marketing plans and lots of marketing spend, they're very careful about things like leak. They don't want the game footage from the game or bits of the game to be shared publicly before the marketing plan is in place. That means that as researchers who put players in front of this game, we have to be very careful to make sure we don't have leaks. And one of the implications for us is about the types of methods we can use. Some of the things that you might do if you're a user researcher in other fields, send people code to test at home or 
do some sort of beta rollout with uh, analytics running on it. Some of those methods aren't available to us because we do want to be very secretive about the contents of the game. And instead, what you see as a game user researcher is running quant studies in person. So you'll bring in uh, 10 or 20 or 40 people to play all at once, playing it in pods, all the games at the same time, so that you can take those kind of quant measurements, like how many times they fail or how long does it take to get through the less at uh, the level without them having the code off-site and then risking any leaks with it. So yeah, lots of really interesting challenges that make it different from user research, but ultimately those same steps that a user researcher goes through in other areas. Thank you so much, Steve. So how do you synthesize that research and convert them into artifacts that are made for all? Any examples that you could share? Mm -hmm. So the actual synthesis process, as you can imagine, when you're going through a user research study, you're generating lots of different forms of data. It's all the observations that you as the game's user researcher, you've spotted where the player hasn't understood or they've gone wrong. You're getting some quant measures like how long does it take them to get through the level or how many times do they fail on the level? And also you're getting some verbatim quotes. So what the players are saying about the game. And as you know, from other user research studies, part of the user researcher's job is to put all of those, that data in one place. Think about what's the meaning and how to answer research objectives, particularly like using mind maps for this. So I find it a really helpful way of taking all the individual thoughts or observations you have and theming them so that you can see those themes and you can pull out what the meaning is. When you then take that idea into how am I going to share this with the game team, the most basic form of sharing with the game team and very familiar across lots of types of user research is you might write a report that says, here's what we learned, here's your use, uh, your research objectives answered, and here's the most difficult parts of the game or the most confusing parts of the game or the usability issues in the game. That's fine, but I think we can also uh, be more creative than that and have a better impact. One of the downsides of writing a report, I think, is that often you can do a nice presentation and everyone smiles and nods, but then they go back to their desk and they, they put the report in a drawer and they never think about it again. So one of the challenges that we have as user researchers to think about how can we engage our stakeholders and make them more interested in the findings and think they're more relevant. I like finding ways of involving our, our stakeholders in the research. Uh, either by observing sessions, taking part in analysis together, or with particularly advanced teams, letting them loose with the participant, let them ask the participant a question, or let them take some notes that we can use. So finding ways to bring them closer to the raw player experience is really helpful for synthesis and for communicating what you've learned. Thank you so much, Steve. So how do you apply the usability heuristics to video games and make sure they are very fun to play with? Yes, great point. Uh, heuristics and the idea of doing heuristic review does still exist for games. And there are some specific heuristics that people have come up with that are relevant to games. A couple that come to mind include one called the play heuristics. And that looks at not just usability, but also enjoyment and fun and gives some rules that games could follow to, to make a good experience. There are other heuristics, especially for games as well. However, I sometimes think that heuristics aren't the best way to approach those type of reviews when you're reviewing a game. And when we're working with, uh, when we're mentoring and helping people join the industry, one of the things we recommend is being aware of uh, Nielsen's heuristics and the play heuristics, but not just relying on them. Also, playing through the game yourself and imagining that player experience so that you are experiencing issues yourself 
and you understand what those areas which confuse people or are difficult are without relying on just a checklist of heuristics to do it. So yes, in summary, although heuristics do exist, I think we should be looking beyond heuristics to give a fully formed review of the types of games that we we come across. Thank you so much, Steve. So how do we measure then the success and failure metrics in gaming research? Yes, great point. And again, especially nuanced for games, you can imagine some of the things that we look at on apps, like how long does it take to complete or how many times people fail. As I mentioned, when talking about difficulty, you can't directly apply that to a game because a game is meant to take a certain amount of time. It's not meant to be easy. It's meant to be fun. Um, And one of the parts of fun is that idea of reaching a challenge, finding it difficult, and then overcoming the challenge through mastering how to play the game and getting better at it, which means that difficulty is quite a hard thing to measure or a hard thing to look for. The first step to actually doing this successfully, I find, is making sure you understand the design vision. What is it that the designer of the game is trying to achieve with the game? Some games are meant to be hard. I don't know if you've encountered games like Dark Souls or Bloodborne, which are meant to be difficult games. And the intended experience is that players are meant to find it very hard until they master the mechanic and then they feel great when they master it. You, as a user researcher, just went in, you found out these games were hard and then you reported back to the designer that this game is hard, you should make it easy. You haven't understood what the intent of that game is or what the designer is trying to do. So the first step is that communication work with your design team to understand what does success look like for them? What are they trying to achieve with that goal? You can then work with them to try and make those into testable hypotheses. Okay, if they think the game is meant to be hard, what do they mean by hard? Is it the player is meant to fail a certain number of times? Is it that the player is meant to be on this level for half an hour? Or is it the player is meant to be on this level until they learn this particular mechanic, like they learn how to use a parry or learn how to use their shield. And then as soon as they learn how to use their shield, they're meant to overcome it. Once you come up with that testable hypothesis, you can then design that study around it. It is possible to make testable hypotheses and measure the metrics in the game. It just uh, takes a lot of communication with your game team to work that out. And I guess not everything that's important can be measured. Things like usability issues or what is the player experience is very difficult to define a direct measure to. And so as a user researcher, you've got to combine both those measurable things and those metrics that we can use to define success or failure with traditional things like spotting usability issues and problems that are uh, defects from the intended game experience. It's a really interesting thing though, and I'm really enthusiastic about communication with our game teams and making sure that they understand what we're doing and we understand what they're trying to achieve. That's wonderful, Steve. Thank you so much. Now, the question that we have been like asked by a lot of listeners, which is your word of advice for young designers on how to start their journey into gaming. I think we're very lucky in the games user research community where there is a strong and active community. There's a lot of user researchers out there who give up their time. Who So they're based in big companies that run a lot of games research, such as PlayStation or Microsoft or Activision or Ubisoft, where they have long-established research teams, and they do give up their time to help people who are interested in joining uh, the industry. So the first thing I'd recommend is looking out for that community. I am involved in a mentoring scheme where we partner people who are at the beginning of their career or looking for their first job or just started their first job and partner uh, them with people who are already in these roles. And so finding the Games User Research community is a great start for that. A website that I host called gamesuserresearch.com. And on there, you can find links to both the mentoring scheme. There's also a lot of other community initiatives that I would highly recommend that young designers look at. Um, There's a Discord group for games user researchers where we talk about 
every week, some reading that we've all been doing or uh, questions that you might want to ask senior researchers to understand how they approach these problems and also just find other people who are in the same situation on the, uh, in the community. So yeah, my, my advice is there is a strong community out there. Go and find that community, um, talk to them, be part of it, go to the virtual events and just learn from your peers and help uh, develop those skills. I also have a, a second piece of advice, I, I think. Uh, one of the common activities that we uh, recommend to people who are going through our mentoring is that idea of practicing the skills on the game they play. So not just playing a game as you normally would, but thinking about the games that you're playing and think about, okay, what are the usability issues that I'm encountering this game? Documenting them. And then thinking about how you communicate those usability issues. And so one of the activities that we set people is the idea of writing blog posts when they're playing a game, notice some usability issues, and then write a blog post that explains those usability issues. Um, that gives great practice at some of those key user research skills of identifying problems, communicating problems, and also gives you something demonstrable that you have this blog, which had lots of history of you running user research on the games you've played, which is something you can share if you're ever in an interview or um, looking for a job. So yeah, uh, there's a couple of pieces of advice there. Thank you so much, Steve, for giving us these wonderful advices. So let's conclude the show by, if you could share with us, how does your typical day look like on any interesting stories and how often you play games? Yes, some great questions. So I'll start with the last one. I guess playing games, you don't get enough time to play games uh, because it's what you do all day. Um, obviously, there's lots of social occasions because when you're working in the games industry, you're working with lots of other people who are really passionate about games. I mean, it's a, a common way of socialising. I guess there's a difference between playing a game for fun and also working on a game where by the time you've seen 100 people play through that same lesson level of the game, you're less inclined to think, okay, I'm not enjoying this anymore. At least it's not a fun experience. I'm doing it for work at that point. Um, you asked about a typical day and I think what a user research study, maybe there isn't a typical day, but it definitely works in a cycle. So uh, a lot of our studies work in two or three week cycles. So in that first beginning of the week, a lot of what you'll be doing is interacting with the game designers and the game developers to understand their vision from the game, playing through the game so that you understand exactly uh, what state the game is in and how the game works and writing a study design that you can, the tasks that you can set players so that you can see if they experience the game in the way in which you intended and test those hypotheses that you come up with the game team. The next part of a typical uh, two or three weeks cycle is actually running that study. So you're sat in the room with the players and they're playing the game and you are there to both give them tasks. So ask them to complete the level or ask them to um, use a tutorial or ask them to use one of their abilities, but also you're there to ask them questions. So although you can observe them playing and see what they're doing, sometimes you can't see inside their head and you can't see what they're thinking or why they're doing that. So you're sat in the room with them so that you can ask them questions. You can ask them, what are you thinking at the moment? Or uh, why did you do that? Or other questions that help reveal why the usability issues occur. The last part of the study, which is, I guess, the last part of a typical user research cycle, is getting in deep with that data, finding the story in the data about here are the problems with the game or here's the experience of the game currently, and then sharing that again with your designers or your developers, whether that is presenting the report, uh, writing up a report and sending it off, or as we mentioned, finding creative ways of sharing those findings in a way that makes the game design team really care about um, the game they're playing and uh, what happened in the study. 
Thank you so much, Steve. So we'll conclude the show by you recommending three favorite books of yours. Also three people who inspire you the most in the space. And for this episode, we'll also include three favorite games of yours. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So the first game... Uh, sorry, the first book, let's start with books. The first book that I think is really important for user researchers is the book called Just Enough Research by Erica Hall. And Erica Hall is also going to be my first pick for someone I, I really respect in this space and that I've learned a lot of lessons from. So the book is an overview of how to run different types of user research, but it's very practical. It's very focused on actually what is the job like and what are the important parts of the job. So it doesn't get bogged down in distractions, but focus on the key points about how do we as user researchers spend our time best to have an impact? And I think, again, talking about Erica Hall as a person, a lot of her other work, so the things that she publishes on Medium, for example, reinforces that. She is very focused on finding the actionable parts of our research, not getting distracted with methods that are unreliable or revealing why we don't, uh, for example, overemphasized surveys or focus too much on focus groups and what the limitations of these methods are. And I think she does a really great job of making that accessible and interesting. A second book that I think is really important is a book called Quantifying the User Experience uh, by Jeff Soro and another author whose name escapes me. Quantifying the User Experience is just enough statistics in order to do a good job of being a user researcher. As you can imagine, as a user researcher, you sometimes do have to deal with quant questions like measuring the time that people take to complete a level or measuring how many times they fail. And uh, with my own experience, I'm not an expert statistician and some of these things I wouldn't be comfortable with doing without assistance. What I think Jeff's book does really well is help explain what uh, other things you need to know and just an easy to follow guide about how do you apply statistics in order to get reliable results from these type of quant questions that we come across. Uh, the last book I think I'll recommend is a book called Think Like a UX Researcher. Uh, Think Like a UX Researcher, again, it looks at not just how do you run studies, but how do you make sure that your research is in the right place in the company and how do you make sure you're having an impact? I think it's very easy for user researchers to get too focused on just running the studies when actually at least half the job is communicating what we learn to other teams or being in the right place where teams are coming to you with questions at the right time where you can have an impact. And I think that book does a really good job of focusing on, on those elements as well. Um, I, as well as Erica Hall, about your recommendations for uh, people. I'm going to cheat a bit and say the games user research community. So again, because they're very active, they are a lot of, and every year they elect a different steering committee. Um, they are very active with these community initiatives like the mentoring, like the, the reading groups, like organizing conferences. And I think it's a really great example of a self-sustaining community where no one's being paid to do it. Everyone's doing it because they... They like game user research and want to help the field develop. I think that's a great uh, community initiative to, to help develop that. You also asked about games. Uh, I haven't prepared any. So what have I enjoyed recently? Uh, one of my favorite games recently was uh, Untitled Goose Game. I don't know if you played it. It's, you are a naughty goose and it's set in an English village. And you have missions such as steal the farmer's sandwich or... Um, steal all the things on the washing line or win a game of darts. And so you, have, as a goose, have to run around the English village being chased around by people to, to achieve all these naughty things that the goose will do. Some other perhaps higher profile games that I've enjoyed. Uh, one that I worked on that I thought was particularly fun 
was That's You. Uh, it's a social game where you and up to four friends, you are in a room and it's a quiz and it will set you questions such as, which of your friends is most likely to come home drunk, for example? And then you all secretly vote on which of your friends it is. And then it reveals, oh, you actually, you all thought that this was your most despicable friend. Um, that's not only a fun experience to play, but was also a really fun game to work on because for playtesting it, we had to get groups of friends. We had to sit them in a social environment to lay down with a sofa and with some uh, soft drinks and they're playing through the game. And that's just a really fun environment to moderate and to playtest with. So that was great too. Oh, a third game. Um, what did I enjoy recently? Oh, uh, okay. Puzzle game. And it's an indie game, but I, I do quite like indie games because they've got space to be very creative. Um, it was called Lair of the Clockwork God. I believe. And it is a point and click adventure game, kind of like Monkey Island used to be or, or ones like that. But again, it's it's very funny. Um, and it, I played it recently on the Switch. And I think the Switch is great for that kind of portable gaming where you can drop in and drop out. So yeah, that's another game I played recently and I really enjoyed. But yeah, lots, lots to find there. Thank you so much, Steve, for your wonderful time. We are looking forward to host you again in our upcoming episodes. Thank you again for inviting me. I've had a great time. And yes, thank you.